Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. I am absolutely thrilled to have Dolly Waddell here on the podcast today. Dolly is just the most fabulous person and a dear friend. I'm very proud to to call Dolly a friend. And she's, you can't see her today, but she's the vision of, of, of a goddess in green with this wonderful mane of blonde hair. Dolly, welcome. Welcome to Busy House. Happy home. Thanks, Charlie. It's such a joy to be here. Yeah, really excited. Now, Dolly is a business coach, a leadership coach, but we're going to be talking more about children today because she is also a mother of four, four gorgeous children. And um, and you've done a lot of parenting courses. You also have been a vicar's wife for many years, and and that comes with a big role, too. Mm. Yeah. So 100% in in no way am I the best parent in the world just putting that out there as the initial disclaimer but I have experienced a lot of different parenting models yeah. and researched a lot of them and have sat in a lot of courses where I've really applied um, certain methods and approaches to parenting and have helped uh, in whatever way I can, many families with parenting things. So my my children are 15, 13, uh, eight and seven. They keep changing ages. So I have to get, yeah, I got that right. So, you know, I'm no, I don't know what it's like to have an 18 year old. I have lots of nephews and nieces who are that age, but you know, you've got young adults. My mum and dad still parent me. Parenting is a, a long, a long game, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. And there's a lot out there, I think on, Instagram about parenting that just to me maybe it's my algorithms but just seems to be about how hard it is as a mum and how we've just got to be kind to ourselves as a mum that's the only kind of wisdom and advice I seem to get or like proper psychological advice like we've got to really listen well but I think there's quite a big space of things that are missing in how to raise these little humans to become medium to large humans to raise them to become great contributors yeah. to to society to other people to spaces and places and I think it's a really a really big calling being a parent and we we have to really take it on board as a real career it's like a real job like there is that approach to it as well as it being a an everyday normal thing yeah yeah no I totally I totally hear you um and I think it's quite difficult navigating parenthood today because we didn't have the tech and the devices growing up so it's a whole different space that that we are having to like learn on our feet you're so right and you know even that age gap with my two I've got these two pairs with a five-year age gap what I find astonishing is that the first two they're only 15 and 13 they used to watch movies for a treat. Yeah. My younger two, they don't know how to sit through a whole movie generally. I mean, they will, but they have the evolved state of tech is episodes. Yeah. 
So and the distraction. So they can't do it. No, they watch episodes, episodes, episodes. So to watch the whole film, they're like, oh, what's going on? Um, and you take them to the cinema, actually, I mean, you, you, I'm very happy for people to go, that's outrageous, Dolly. My little three-year-old loves the cinema. But I've noticed a difference with my younger two and their friends that the cinema is a different, it's less grabby than it was because you have to sit for longer. Um, yeah, which is interesting, just in five years, that difference. Yeah, yeah. Things evolve so quickly and change so quickly. And I think, you know, as parents, we can't stay static. Like what worked then isn't necessarily working now. And you've got to evolve and change. And um, I'm constantly learning how to navigate things with the children and how to best deal with the situation. And if, each of my three children is so different that 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 I have to react to them in a different way and they need different things from me in different ways. And do you find just as soon as you feel like you've cracked one phase, you're like, oh, we've got here now, they suddenly change and you're like, oh no, now what are we doing? Yes, um, completely. I naively sitting on this sofa behind me, I thought that once I'd mastered breastfeeding, everything else was going to be a walk in a summer meadow. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know it's it's so true I think um but something as a sort of starting point if there was two books that I would get anybody to read and this isn't just about parenting little kids this is parenting any any kid and I as, as you mentioned Charlie I work in business and leadership spaces as a consultant with with teams and leaders on how to function well actually it's very similar to parenting. And I don't mean that in any patronizing way that when you're a leader, you're suddenly a parent to someone on your team, but the principle principles, yeah. of enabling a fellow person to have agency and make wise choices and be the best they can be is actually pretty similar if you're a parent, a team leader, a wife, a husband, a friend, it's just the playground and the yeah. narrative is different. Yeah. So, the, the two books that have taught me so much, I think, about helping other humans, in this instance, children, to become really themselves with their own agency is two bits. One's called Love and Logic, and another one is called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. And the latter is quite a Christian book. So if you're not, if you don't have a faith, just, you know, don't worry about those bits. The principles are fabulous. And they talk so much about, and this is a life lesson, I think, in relationships. They have this analogy of, so humor me, Charlie. If if you had a lovely little garden in front of your house yep. and it was just how you liked it with all the beautiful little flowers, tulips and bits and bobs, and you saw a Rottweiler coming towards you to your garden, looking ready to sort of tear up some stuff, what kind of a fence would you build? A really high one. A really high, probably with spikes on it. Why would you build a really high fence? To protect my garden. Exactly. From being destroyed. Totally. What if you saw a really cute little puppy that was so diddy and darling coming towards your garden? What would you do with the fence? What would you build then? Um, I, I would I'd leave the gate open <laughs> and I'd go in for a cuddle. Exactly. So, well done. You you said all the right things. So the analogy will work. <laughs> I don't know if it's right now. If it goes wrong, 
the same is true that when we are in relationship, and this is not me, this is coming from these books, when we are in relationship with people, we want to make sure we're looking after our own garden, that that beautiful garden is you, that beautiful garden is me, that me, Dolly, I, at my best, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm patient, at my best, I just keep adding that in, um, I'm fun, I'm insightful, whatever it is that you know to be true about yourself when you're at your best, that is my garden. If my child or my team member or my husband, for example, comes towards me and has the capacity to churn that up with their stuff, mm -hmm. they come as a two-year-old, a 22-year-old with their, with their Rottweiler stuff, I will protect my garden and yeah. say, you don't get access to this part. Sorry, yeah. come, come back when you can behave nicely. It's, yeah. it's that yeah. boundary, right? But if they want to come like as a puppy, great, come on in. You're so welcome to come and enjoy the best of me. Because what happens in parenting is that we don't have those protections in place to keep us as a great parent. Does that make sense? So we just let our kids come into our garden all the time and churn it up with mommy this, mommy that, whining, moaning, ning. I want this, I want that. And if we don't put anything in place, we will then have a really messy garden to parent with. Yeah. So the book, books that I've talked about, talk about how you as a parent can have really healthy boundaries with your kids and their behavior so that you can always give them the, the best, best of themselves. Yeah. Um, and just as like a practical application with this, for example, whining, right? Yeah. Um, whining is a really classic one. Whining, who does it not annoy? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I, even my friend's children who whine, I just snap at them. I, I can't bear it. Like, no, I can't bear it. Sorry, no, do you I know what really I do? I, video, like, I record it, <laughs> play it back to them, ah. out of that white, like, when it's not in that moment. I'm it's like, what you sounded like, please don't do it. That is brilliant. And that could be in the book. It's perfect. Um, but with whining, for example, um, one, one, I mean, that's one way of dealing with this. Brilliant. Another is I count and say, oh, no problem. For however long you want to whine, I'll count. And that's how much time you owe me back. Yeah. Uh, so I'll count. And then they owe me that whining time. I call it hassle time. Yeah. They then have to pay me back. And they pay that back to me when they're hungry or want something. And they have to go and sit quietly on the stair for that long. However long they annoyed me, that's the time I need back in silence. So they have to go and be silent or I won't give them dinner. You know, it sounds brutal, but I tell you what. It works. It works. It works. And I'm not cross. My garden's good. I'm not going, shut up, stop whining. You're going, no problem. We all know the rules. Because then There's the whole atmosphere in the house escalates. Yeah. To, to not a happy place. Exactly. And then you've got everybody screeching and everybody reacting in a negative way. And that's why this podcast is busy house happy home it's such a good name for podcast because actually busy house if you're not careful can become accidentally living in busyness yes and not intentionally living and what you're doing here is going actually let's have busy house but let's be intentional about how we do that yeah have a happy home yeah and so it's anyone can be busy 
but you lose yourself you lose your garden you snack more you are you might miss cues from your children uh that they need to talk to you because you're busy that won't create a happy home so it's yeah it's a great title for for life yeah I want to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about my members club, Ask Charlie's Members Club, where I share exclusive how-to videos as well as recipes with you each month, seasonal homemaking tips and tricks, monthly club Zooms where we all get together and have a group Zoom and I get experts to come and chat to us as well. Members receive exclusive discount codes from some of my favourite brands and a private Facebook group as well. So if you'd like to find out more about becoming a member, I'll leave all the details linked in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. I mean, I didn't, I had an interesting childhood that wasn't some levels it was really happy and great and others it really wasn't and for me it's so important that that our our home and home is where you find yourself it's where you are it's where the love is it's where where you are is is a a safe and as you know the children can just come in pick their shoes off and breathe and and talk and we can all you know belly up to the table and have a good old natter that they feel safe and they feel comfy and that that I am really busy but I I put boundaries in place to make sure that I have time um and I I I think it's really important because we can get completely lost in Mm. our in our world and our busyness do you remember you liked a, a post I put out a few weeks ago um I remember you liked it or wrote a comment on it about it, I find it quite annoying when people go, oh, Dolly, you're busy, busy, busy. Yes. Because it almost sounds like you have no time for anything. And it's actually like, no, I'm just really full. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have time probably for you, but I do have time for my 15 year old to talk to me. You yeah. know, I, I do, I, I am busy, but yeah. I, it's, it's that it's actually intentional fullness. Yeah. And probably a little bit bursting at the seams sometimes. We yeah. all feel like that. But full is different to that concept of busy, 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 isn't yeah, it? I'm too busy for you. Busy, yeah, exactly. And I think if you hear that too many times, it's bad. Well, you start to live in that cycle of, oh, I'm just too busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard a really interesting thing yesterday um, from this guy called Chris Barris Barron. He's so cool. You should look up his work. It's called Upping Your Elvis. I know, great title. Um, He said, what did he say? Um, Oh, yeah, he quoted someone about busyness. In in business, I talk to a lot of people about how they're over busy and underproductive. They've just got too much going on. They're working 18-hour days. They're all burning out, but got to get results. So what's what's going on? Actually, being busy is easy. Busyness is easy. Being less busy, so we're not talking about being full, but we're talking about that whole frenetic cycle that we all believe we're in and we perpetrate it by saying, oh, busy, 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 you're busy, oh, I'm so busy, 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 I'm flat out. All of that language creates a culture that makes us believe we've lost our agency to be intentional and make choices. Yes. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Total sense, yes. So- that you haven't got any more space to do the other stuff yeah 
and and in, in fairness I am very full if I want to take in anything else something's got to get out I I, I can't add in an extra so if I yeah. take that project that's got it that thing's got to yeah. go yeah it, in coaching it's, and a it's about thing. making priorities and making choices yeah but having the freedom to yeah because if you say yes to something you're saying no to something else so I've said yes to doing the PA, as you know, the PTA. Um, and I realise when I say yes to that, I'm saying no to my brain having a little bit more free time. <laughs> so it's just another thing. <laughs> I, you know, it's one too many things. I, I I probably shouldn't have said yes to that, even though I love doing it. You know, when you say they yes. They say to... ask a busy person, don't they? And you'll get oh, it. Well, have you heard of Parkinson's law? No. Oh, this is really fun. Parkinson's law is the concept of however long you've got to do something, that's how long it will take you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so if, you, if you want something doing, ask a busy person, it's because they can do something in 10 minutes that would take the next less busy person three hours. Yes. If I'm getting ready for a party and I've got half an hour to get ready. You'll get ready in that half an hour. And I'll look exactly the same as if I had five hours to get ready. Yeah. Actually. Well, yeah. I'll still be ready for the key. For that boom, boom, boom. Wow, yeah. bad. Let it go. Let, let you know. Let's do it. I I teach that a lot in my efficient home course. It's just about like setting a timer for twenty minutes and doing that task, and you'll get it done. Brilliant. Whereas you could set a timer for an hour, and you'll still have achieved the same thing. And actually, we think that these things are going to take us a long time. Like, I don't know. I had a big sort out um, of 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 the garage at the weekend, and I thought, oh my goodness, it's going to take days. Dolly, it took two hours. Nothing takes as long as you think. It's what our brains do. They're so naughty. So actually, I was on. Um, I was talking with this guy yesterday, the guy from Upping Your Elvis, and we're saying actually our brains like to procrastinate and not do things by telling us it'll take ages because our brains are energy conservers. They don't want to exert themselves because they need more energy to look after our organs. So our brains are constantly going, don't do that, it'll take too long. Don't do that, it'll, it's, avoid it, avoid it. And we have to hack that by going, thanks brain for protecting me, but actually it might not. It takes 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, my to-do list now, I'm going away tomorrow. My brain's going, avoid it, don't do it. It's going to take hours, it's going to be so full on. I'll probably smash it out in 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> dreading of the packing oh my god it's going to be such a big task we need a i need to come on one of your workshops for packing i get triggered every time i pack i'm sure really? it's from, i'm sure it's from boarding school as a kid i just i find it i I'm, i find scarce i'm so scared of not having enough yes um, so i just overpack and get my knickers in a right old twist figuring <laughs> figuring out and with all four children I'm like, just in case. Yeah. But just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Yes. No, I, I understand that. I mean, I like to be prepared. That's my motto. So I do take a lot of extra stuff. Just medicines, just in case. <laughs> yeah, but it is about, I tell you the best tip. It's about coming back from that holiday on the plane and writing a list of the things that you really did need. Ooh, clever. So then you have like a packing book or like a note section on your phone of, okay, so if you have been on a skiing holiday, on the plane, on the way back, you just write three fleeces, three pairs of 
it. Those are the things I needed. And then you've got that list for the next time you go to pack it. It makes such a difference. That is genius. Because you know, there's a quote that I love, which you've just done, which is, we don't learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. Yeah. Yes. It's that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do it enough. And when you have, I mean, I've got three children, you've got four. Packing for all of those people, it's quite overwhelming. Yeah. It's quite overwhelming. It's but not do you fair. find it overwhelming as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm going away tomorrow on my own and I'm so thrilled because actually I'm not vaguely worried about packing for myself, which is great. Um, yeah. It's overwhelming when you have to do it. And then I have to do it for my husband too because we, we've been in, we've been away and, and he's forgotten really crucial things. Yeah. So now I'm taking it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, when um when when we were talking earlier um about the parenting thing, just bringing it back round, there is there's something else that I thought would be really fun to share about um how well actually you can apply. I was just thinking with packing even like with your family dynamics. Whenever there's an area in in life that is stressful, overwhelming, exhausting then you've got to change your approach to it, right? You've yeah. got to change something. So a really good example with packing, for example, is I'm like, do you know what, kids, you've just got to do your own, which I now action, which is great. But there's this model, do you remember I was mentioning it before we came on the podcast, but I think it would be really cool for people to hear about it. And some of some of your listeners might know it already, but it's this model from psycho- psychotherapy called the drama triangle. And it's... Um, it's essentially a dynamic of behavior that we go into when we get triggered. So for mm-hmm. me, you just said I get triggered when I'm packing, right? I, when I'm triggered, it means you have an emotional sudden reaction that your unconscious just suddenly rules the roost in that moment. You might get triggered by being with a very confident person. You might immediately be triggered into an emotional response. You might be with your mother-in-law and get triggered into an emotional reaction. You might be with a child, a toddler screaming, and get a trigger point. It's that sense of the garden. My garden's threatened, that feeling of like, I don't like this, nothing is peaceful right now, right? Yeah. And when we get triggered, in psychology, they talk about this thing called the drama triangle, where to cope with it, we go into a role or a character. And the characters are as follows. There are three characters, hence the triangle, three points. Um, One is the victim, okay? Mm -hmm. The victim is the role of, oh, I can't do anything. You know, I've got so many kids. I can't pack. It's just too hard. Why is it always me that has to do all the packing? Why am I doing all the laundry? Or why is my mother-in-law always so awful to me? We, We play this, like, I call it the sleeping beauty role mm-hmm. like we're asleep we need rescuing oh, I can't do anything I'm just limp with yeah. context a situation and the victim state can actually feel really nice like I quite like being a victim sometimes it's you know it's quite nice you have to do anything you're just like poor me you know you want everyone to run around and help you know, it's all right for, you know I'm six foot I'll even you I'm like it's because I'm six foot I'm always tired because I'm six foot it takes more energy to survive <laughs> or whatever stupid things but we all have it, it makes us feel like oh, 
and our brains like being a victim because they don't have to do anything about it. The yeah. energy situation, right? So yeah. a victim. But if you play a victim, one of the other roles in this character triangle is the saviour or rescuer. Yeah. And ladies, listen, we love playing the rescuer. We rescue everyone with a problem. We mm-hmm. rescue our children. We, you know, I've rescued the school by running the PA because no one else wanted to. Like we play the rescuer. So yeah. um, there's a problem, I'll fix it. So yeah. if you're if you're being a victim in front of me, Charlie, like, oh, everything's so bad. I'll rescue you by going, oh, I'll pack for you. Let me do it for you. Oh, darling, let me come and do it for you. Oh, you're struggling with that. I can sort it. Let me fix it. And we we go in and helicopter parenting in a way is 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 uh savior rescuer yeah. Yeah. little johnny's forgotten his pat lunch oh i'll bring it at lunchtime you're playing yeah. the rescuer when we play a rescuer we are telling the other person yes you are in need of rescuing you are a victim you are helpless so think of this in parenting if we rescue we're not enabling them, them. right we're enabling them. So we're creating this dynamic of entitlement. Yeah. Of like, and you know, a lot of people talk about Gen Z that they're all quite entitled. I wonder if it's to what extent because we have been rescuing so much yeah. from pain, from difficult experiences. You know, everything is much comfier. We have so much comfort in the West. I'm not criticizing it, it's just factors. But you know, I, I rescue my kids. It's it's a problem. We all do it. Um or we want rescuing, you know, so we like it. So that's a rescuer. But then if there's a rescuer and a victim, there needs to be a persecutor or a villain. So that's the other role. And the villain, it works on two levels, I think, the villain. The villain is either an actual thing, situation, person, like my boss, he's such a git, or, oh, I've been made redundant. There's no jobs out there for me. The job market's awful. Job market becomes the villain. Mm. Um, Or... You know, my best friend, she won't help me. You know, the best friend becomes the villain. Anything can become the villain. And if you allow something to become a villain, you're allowing yourself to be a victim. Yes. Because they go together. Yeah. And so if you find yourself talk like, well, they're always like that to me. My mother in law's always awful to me. She's the villain. You're putting yourself as a victim. You're in the drama triangle. You need rescuing. So let's take the mother-in-law story she's the villain you're the victim you want your husband to save you or you want someone to save your father-in-law to rescue you from her no one's coming to save you if well let me go back a bit to get out the drama triangle we need to be aware of what's going on yeah step out of it and become the adult yeah adult self and the adult self is changes those dynamics so instead of being a victim, we become what's called the creator. Where we're yeah. like, there's a problem. What am I going to do about it? How can I create? What do I need? Who do I need to ask for help? We yeah. go into creating this. Yeah. The rescuer, um, they become a coach. What do you need, Charlie? Let me know if I can help. You've got this. You're brilliant at that. Go for it. You've got this. Believe in the other person can do it for themselves rather than needing you to do it. Yeah. And the villain, if you ever find yourself in the villain state, often we are as parents, we're like, you're not, you're not working hard enough, you're not good enough. enough." Actually changing that into being really assertive, but being kind. So 
bringing the challenge so it's not negating the challenge so you know what actually dolly you're a grown-ass woman packing isn't that big a deal you you can sort this out stop going on about it yeah you know you've yeah. had it for 15 years surely you found a way to fix it by now what are you going to do about it if you can't you know if you're constantly getting overwhelmed it's it's challenging but it's kind yeah those are the kind of inversions but i i have found that model life-changing for happy home yeah yeah absolutely and sometimes you do just need to give yourself a moment give yourself a talking to and be like hang on hang on a minute hang on let's just step out of this moment for a moment see how we're going to handle it in the best possible way because when you're in that stressful situation in the drama triangle it's very easy to react whereas you have to just step outside don't you and think for a moment and physically sometimes stepping outside and just breathing and being like right okay how do we do this we had a situation with a child recently and Simon said darling we're going to treat them like a cat (laughs) okay stroke them gently let them know that they're loved then they'll start talking they'll start meowing then we can start listening and we can get through the situation I love that. And I needed him to tell me that. Sometimes, you know, when you're in the moment, you can just be stressed and be like, well, why are they reacting like that? Totally. And so I'm very lucky. Simon and I haven't always parented on the same page, but we do. We have learned, we've evolved to work together as best we can. And I really needed that. And I use that cat analogy in my head quite a lot now. And just think, actually, yeah, okay, this is what we need to do because actually, sometimes you can just hit. Um, I'm bashing my my fists together. You can just clash and 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 react badly, and and you need to step outside the drama triangle, don't you? And just take a moment. You do, but you're absolutely right. You have to sometimes physically move somewhere else. You know, go for a walk or you know I know when my kids trigger me with lots of whining or lots of shouting there's been a few arguments recently and you find yourself wanting to go in and actually for me when I hear arguing I want to be the villain role and go stop it everybody just do what I say be quiet yeah because that's a natural reaction which actually if you use an assertive voice and get everybody to sit down at a table and be like right hang on absolutely. a minute let's just start this back and let everybody have a voice but in a calm manner absolutely absolutely yeah. and it's still being assertive as saying stop it you know I've got three boys of course there's some wrestling and stuff and I sometimes need to go absolutely stop it right now and use a high voice you know but you're quite right it's being able to use that assertiveness without letting my garden change yeah absolutely sort of turning into a sort of you know, I call it mummy psycho voice. Have you ever had that, Charlie, when you're yes. funny? <laughs> Mad like, mummy lives in the cupboard under the stairs at our house, Charlie. <laughs> so I give them a warning. Mad mummy is going to come out of the cupboard. Mad mummy is coming out of the cupboard. Oh, my God, she's here. <laughs> oh, she's in the residence. I, I, My voice sounds almost like I'm the sort of dragon. I'll sometimes go, Stalling, Stalling. <laughs> <laughs> this guttural voice will come out you're like oh I'm in the drama triangle um yeah but it's um it's about being aware isn't it you're so right it's just, it's just about being aware and 
I mean, you know, I love personality stuff, but, but also learning about your own personality and your own tendencies, because that's really helped me grow in my awareness of how I come across and, and what it's like on the other side of me, um, which if you want a happy home, uh, the lifelong journey is, you know, I always say self-awareness isn't just recognizing your faults. That's just obvious. So to, for me to say I get impatient, that's not self-awareness. That's stating the obvious. Self-awareness, I think, is having empathy for sitting on the receiving end of your impatience. Yeah. Like, what's it like to be on the opposite side of Dolly when she's a bit impatient? That Now, that's hard because then you have to really ask people, what's it like? How do you yeah. feel? And what you don't want to hear the answers, do you? Oh, that is awful. Um, but not be defensive and go, gosh, is that what it's like? Or similarly, lots of people shut down and go really avoidant when they're triggered. So for me, I get louder. But if some people in the drama triangle go into victim state and just become very quiet yeah. and think, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, I get a bit quiet sometimes. That to me is not self-awareness. That's stating the obvious. Self-awareness, again, is asking people what's it like when I come up and go quiet for a day yeah and you might find the answers are things like you look really moody and I'm really scared of you that you sap the energy out of the room and I don't feel that there's any joy in the room that's not a happy home you know so it can work either way whether you go into loudness or quietness what's it like self-awareness is actually being growing an awareness of like, what's it like for you to experience me when I'm like that? Because that's when, you know, in 20 years time, our kids will go, you were always so moody, mum. It's like, yeah. no, I wasn't. I just got a bit quiet sometimes. No, it was moody. Or you were always so kind of impatient. Well, no, you just didn't get your shoes on in time. No, mum, it was, it was pretty unpleasant, actually. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we don't realise the impact we have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know sometimes that is really uncomfortable yeah being a grown-up can be really uncomfortable can't it dolly oh my gosh we were just saying before what we <laughs> life's not for wimps being it's, grown not, up's for wimps. Not, <laughs> it's not for wimps so we have to address this stuff and we can't just brush it under the carpet because it will come up come back to rear its ugly head actually it's best to tackle things head on isn't it I like busy busy what is it busy home happy home busy, no busy house happy busy house. house busy house happy home um because exactly if you've got a busy house you are in busyness you're going to get triggered yeah. you know life is full you will be in that drama triangle and when you're in that drama triangle you will make choices that actually have an impact that might not create a happy home yeah and and so it's thinking I will have a full, ha I will have a full life, a busy, a busy life. But, but I'm going to be really aware in that gap between that and the happy home. How I react. Yeah. To make some aid, I take some agency and choices and get into that adult state. Yeah. And you ask my kids, what's it like being on the receiving end of me when I get stressed? How does it feel for you? Um, you know, one of my kids is a massive introvert and I'm a massive extrovert. And I noticed that they withdraw from me quite a lot. And I was chatting to a, a, a sort of friend who's a child psychologist and was saying, you know, what do you think what's going on? 
And it was painful and hard. She said, Dolly, you're a lot, you know, you're great, but there's a lot of energy and there's, I'm six foot and I'm very expressive. And she said, if he's such an introvert, he's going to need to withdraw from that. It's going to be too much. And so you're going to have to be very intentional about, about reining it in or meeting him in your more introverted states and being intentional about that, which was really hard to hear because I you just want to be like, I'm just me. But if that's what my son needs, then that's what's, what he'll get. And so I'm on a journey with one of my kids of seeking to just go and lie next to them without asking for chat. Yeah, and, just being. Which I find really hard because I like doing. Yeah, um, I had to have this conversation with Sai the other day because when the children are tired at the end of the day, they don't want to talk. They just want to decompress. They want to be with you. They want to be you know in your space like it maybe in the car but you can't like what did you have for lunch how was your day how was this how was that you can't ask all the questions you've just got to let them know that they're loved that you're pleased to see them but then you've got to step back and let them talk when they want to because Sai will be so excited to see them and he'll bombard them with questions and they'll be like shut up dad and then he'll take offense so then and you then go into the drama triangle. Home in a mess. <laughs> that's the drama triangle right there. Right. Our yeah. needs are being met. We get triggered, and that's what I was. So I am. Um... Say to him, you know, darling. Actually, this is what you need to do. This they need you to do this, and you need to do this. And and he was he was a bit upset, like he was a bit hurt. But then he thought about it, and he was like, Yeah, no, no, darling, I'm completely right. Well, I I completely agree with you. There's a little add-on though that I. And I don't know if this is good or not. So I just trying it out. But something that I've added into my <laughs> repertoire, if you can call it that, of parenting, is I really want my kids to know that I have needs as well. Yes. Yeah? At yeah. the adult part. Like, and so for me, I'm an extrovert. I connect through chatting. Yeah. So fair enough if I've got a child that doesn't want to talk. But actually, it's really important for me that they grow up knowing that they've got to meet me for my needs too. Because yeah. for me to connect, I need some chat, but I totally get it can't be on my terms of me just, you know, a torrent of chat. So I've said with two of my kids who are very introvert, I've said, I, I don't mind if you don't want to talk or chat, but here's the thing. And I always give my kid choices. I go, you get to choose. You can either tell me two things at the end of the day or five things. What do you want to do? And what the one I'm with, working on at the moment with our connection is he says two things and I'm like classic but fine at least it's two things so I'm allowed to ask him two things yeah and he has to, and I've said but it has to be longer than two words answers so what do you have for lunch boat booms can't be that it has to be you have to give me a full sentence yeah that will make me feel connected or I've got another kid who doesn't like hugging and I've for ages I've gone oh fine you have to hug me but I've gone recently no do you know what? I need hugging yeah. Not because you feel any, you know, my husband feel that, but actually it's really appropriate that you hug your mum and I, I want to have a son that hugs his mum. Yeah. So I said, I don't mind if you don't hug me all the time, but I think once a day, it's really appropriate to give me a hug. Yeah. And to be present in that hug. You know, that's mine. Yeah, it's about being present in the hug, isn't it? Because totally. I'm a huggy person and I've got one child who will stand there like a, <laughs> like, like a dead fish. Oh. And I'm like, no, no, no. You've got to put your arms around me and hug properly and then I'll let go quickly. Otherwise, I'm going to be here for a long time. 
I know it, I know it, I know it. But we need to teach our kids to we be do. people. This is what I was going back to. We want them to be contributors. We want them to be great husbands and wives. We want them to be great parents. It's our role to teach them. In, if they're not huggers, that's okay. But they need to learn how to hug well. That's an yeah. important part of connecting. Or to communicate why they don't want to hug right then. Right. Absolutely. It's about communication. Absolutely. So my yesterday she's it was so I was so proud of her I we're getting ready for school and I said um can you please can you can you brush your teeth and can you brush your hair and can you put all those things away and she said mommy mommy please don't and she she was about to get crossed and she pulled herself down she goes please don't ask me to do so many things at once it makes me feel really hassled and I went you have explained that so well yeah thank you quite right we'll do one thing at a time brush your <laughs> but I was really proud of that because it's yeah. rather than just not doing it or yelling at me we do as parents say get and brush your teeth put your shoes on put your socks on why haven't you done this oh my god that's not a nice way to start the day like we wouldn't want to hear it would we so intense like if my husband said do this do that do that I'd be like sort off although we're also different I love it because I love doing things <laughs> 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 I'd love it if Jim went do this do that do that he never tells me to do anything it's so boring um, <laughs> no I'm joking it'd get your attention wouldn't he oh my gosh I love doing my sister says they have a go button that's just always jammed on um, <laughs> um, oh, Dolly this has been awesome having this conversation with you just loved it loved it Charlie Thank thanks so much for having me I'm gonna leave the books that you have mentioned Great link down below in the show notes as well and also a link to your website to your instagram and you have a podcast too don't you podcast the extraordinary leaders you're doing it all dolly i'm doing it it all we'll put them in the show notes brilliant thank you so much it's been a pleasure having you here chatting today i will you come back in like six months time we'll talk about something else love to love to yes please thanks loads of love thanks dolly Bye. bye I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button it helps other people know that we exist and I would be so grateful of that and leave me a review the more subscribers we have the more episodes I can put on for you so please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button